Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. You what? need to wash your hands after you use the restroom. Yes. With Steve Cofield. I like messing with him, but he's got the perfect face for radio. <laughs> Adam Candy. This is gotcha journalism. You know what? They're not going to gotch me. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. So I couldn't hear uh, Ari and Candy during the break. It looked like they were talking. I assume you guys were discussing the other thing mentioned last hour, and that was that cooling pillow that maybe we could, maybe someone could buy me that $80 cooling pillow. What do you think? Oh yeah, Ari and I already have plans for you for uh, for Christmas, and it, I wouldn't get too excited about the cooling pillow yet. We have we have other ideas. Uh, you think twenty one pounds of meat's a lot? Oh wow! Okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, Watch out, buddy. We We're stealing the idea from a uh, a three year old cooking show that I just watched last night that I was fascinated by, like a men's you know friend gift day. I think I think we're gonna get th- something started here. If you're not sure, by the way, about Burke Kreischer, if you need to like get into the idea, if anybody's never seen yeah. the machine, his yeah. bit, you, you've got to at least go watch that, and it might get you more interested in the show. And then all of a sudden, you're gonna be watching a sick dicer who gets his friends' gifts. He's uh, he's kind of an idol because he's not in shape, but he just works and drinks all the time. So, so he's you. I'm not saying that. No, I, I wish. Believe me, I wish I was him. I wish I was making that kind of money, but. When you see him, you're like, gives you hope. You're like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live I, this lifestyle. I'm gonna survive. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Now, I will tell you in the media, you're not going to survive if you continue to spew jokes that you think were funny 10, 15, 20 years ago, or you know, your uncle Frank told you and you think are good. In 2021, I don't know where Jack Morris got this one, but the legendary pitcher of the Tigers is on the call of the game. They start talking about Shohei Otani, and now all of a sudden he's going to be a freaking man of a thousand voices. Now what do you do with Shohei Otani? Be very, better careful. You walk him. <laughs> okay, the play-by-play guy's like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> what did Jack Morris just do? Yeah, they were talking about Shohei Otani and uh, – for some reason, Jack Morris decided he was going to, I don't know, do uh, Jerry Lewis from 1957. It's amazing. And then again, when you really think about it, it's not because yeah. it's just people telling on themselves. Right. Yeah. Like Jack Morris just did something that he probably has done a thousand times in different settings. And he just happened to have a microphone in front of him this time. Um, it's obviously infantile it's clearly racist etc etc but i don't need to tell anybody out there that part of it Uh, so yeah i I mean it's so unbelievable that it's totally believable yeah but it's been going on forever uh remember 2004 shaquille o'neal talking about yao ming he thought he tried to be funny and you know offended people tip off friday night the organization of chinese americans will hold a press conference in front of the compact center in houston to condemn Shaq's pigeon English shout out to Yao. <laughs> Wang Zhu, whatever your name is, you want some of Shaq food? Come get it. O'Neill said he was joking and has since apologized for offending anybody, but the OCA says that was, quote, a hollow excuse to justify his prior racist statement. 
And listen, I, I know how people are going to look at this and they're like, hey, it's just a joke. Well, in 2021, doing an Asian impression or coming off as any bit anti-Asian, probably not the best thing right now with what's been going on over the last year and a half is, you know, Asian Americans have been getting freaking lit up on the streets and beaten down by morons. Um, but again, in in the entertainment business, for some reason, people think this is funny. Um, this is... I'll play a clip from 2007, and you'll be offended because uh, it's stupid. Um, this is Craig Carton, who now fresh out of federal prison, is working again doing Afternoon Drive on WFAN. This is what he thought was funny back in 2007 is he was going to do his hardcore news take. No specific minority group or foreign group should ever, ever dictate the outcome of an American election. I don't care if the Chinese population in Edison has uh, quadrupled in the last year. Chinese should never dictate the outcome of an election. There you go. American should. American should, exactly. And it's offensive to mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Not that I have anything against uh, Asians. I really don't. No. I don't like the fact that they crowd the damn blackjack tables in Atlantic City uh, with their little chain smoking uh, and their little oh, pocket what, what, protectors. Well, go to AC for one week and oh, try no. to get a, I'm not, try to get a table. You know, I'm hip. Yeah. Ching dong, ching dong, ching dong. Uh, you hit on 17, you stupid wads of hundreds. They don't know how to play the game. Uh, they should be like Asian-only rooms in casinos. <laughs> so, again, we play that audio because I'm sure when people saw the dopey Jack Morris, whatever he was doing for Otani, they're like, no big deal. But there's such a history of this, it is a big deal. Well, it's not just in those instances that you mentioned as well. It's not that long ago that we had a major thing about this in baseball. We did it with Hugh Darvish and Yuli Gurriel back in the 2017 World Series when Yuli Gurriel homered off Hugh Darvish and was pulling his eyes out to the side to make it look like the, that he was mimicking an Asian guy. And yeah. Yu Darvish was ultimately the one who decided to say, hey, I'm going to pull the air out of the balloon on this. I'm going to kind of give him, you know, give him a pass and, and let it go but this is in the game baseball already it, it wasn't that long ago and jack morris is showing that it's obviously still right there the stupid cut it out number four mets they win today wow they finally got out of this tailspin you know candy they're in the midst of a 13 game uh double back-to-back -back in a belly-to-belly -belly series against the Dodgers and the Giants, and they've gotten off to an 0-5 start. And you know the Giants are pretty good, and the Dodgers on paper are even better. Uh, Mets have been in this tailspin for a while. They finally won today. They got a three-run jack from Kevin Pillar in extra innings, so they wound up beating the Giants 6-2. to This was flashback time for me. Uh, did you see the comments from relatively new Mets owner Steve Cohen? I loved it. You did? Oh, really? I, oh, I absolutely. Love. Oh, come on. We, we missed these days. But you got to tell people what it actually was. Yeah, the flashback. Uh, here was a tweet. Uh, Steve Cohen, the new owner of the Mets, is frustrated with the way the team is hitting. He goes, it's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive. The best teams have a more disciplined approach. Slugging and OPS numbers don't lie. Uh, by the way, this is the guy This is the guy who heads up an organization that made the big splash at the break by trading for Javier Baez. You kind of bought into this undisciplined low OPS thing. Now, the flashback for me, of course, is while I want an owner to really care, I don't want it to get counterproductive candy and be what Big Stein was before Howie Spira helped him go bye-bye from baseball for a while so that the baseball team 
uh, baseball people could take over. There's a delicate blend here, right? Like you want your owner active and competitive and fired up, but don't make a horse's ass of yourself stepping out of line and pissing off the players and the manager and the guys underneath you. Hell no. I want Steve Cohen to go full Steinbrenner. I want him to go all the way with this thing. Because as a Yankees fan, we've now swung all the way to the other side with Calculator Hal, the kid who doesn't care about anything except not going over the luxury tax. And so there's no emotion that comes from the Yankees' uh, ownership anymore. And Mets fans, I mean, all you've ever had is anger. Anger at the Wilpons. Anger at the penny pinching. Well, you got a guy who's spending, and you said you were so happy to get him. Well, guess what? Now you get everything that comes with him. You get the crazy guy. You get the crazy rich guy. Good for you. I hope you love every moment. I hope he keeps going after players. I hope he starts walking into the clubhouse and telling them to their faces. <laughs> As you said, uh, I, but I question your objectivity. I think you made it clear that you're not exactly rooting for for the Mets. But, hey, this Mets fans wanted someone who was more fired up and more active. So now you got him, baby. Number three. Football season right around the corner. We're uh, just outside of two weeks before we see the first regular season football game at Allegiant. Not the Raiders, but UNLV, right? The Owl. Las Vegas Stadium. It's for you, Las Vegas. It's for you. Which included the Raiders and a home, a brand spanking new home for UNLV. Well, yesterday the RJ had a story about some of the early parking details and ticket sales uh, notes um, how did you put it earlier about uh, how they are setting up the ticket sales? Uh, Eastern Washington will be quite a bit cheaper as they get in versus, say, Iowa State. Yeah, this is a version of what the ticketing industry likes to call dynamic pricing. It's not like it used to be when we were young and you walked up to the box office and there was one printed list of here's what every seat in the stadium costs. Now, and this is just smart business, it costs a lot more if you want to see the Yankees or the Red Sox on the road than it does if you want to see the Orioles. And it's the same kind of idea at UNLV where you can get in for $33 on opening night against Eastern Washington. But if you want to come see the number eight ranked Iowa State Cyclones, uh, you better come with four times that because that's about the get in price to go see Iowa State against UNLV. There are only three games that are at the absolute lowest price. Um, And then you're also going to see raised prices a little bit for San Diego State. And aloha to the Ninth Island because you're going to be paying a lot more to come see uh, Hawaii. The cheapest ticket is the get-in price is an extra $25. How do you think locals who are already teed up about the Raiders parking prices are going to deal with the UNLV football parking prices, which, by the way, if I'm correct, I think they do split the revenue with the Raiders on those, so the Raiders would certainly like to see them as high as possible. Um, There's only going to be three lots that are really open for folks who, of course, didn't buy the UNLV parking passes already. And then if you want to park over at the MGM garages, man, the MGM group has not done anyone any favors with the parking. They're they're taking full advantage of the demand. But you could get into Eastern Washington for somewhere maybe, you know, after fees – you know, whatever, $38, $40, $42. And if you want to park at Mandalay, it's 55 Convention Center Garage, it's 50 Luxor, 70 Excalibur, 50 New York, New York, 50 T-Mobile Arena, 50 And what I find really interesting about the MGM part before we get back to the UNLV side is that I've paid for parking multiple times during the playoffs for a Golden Knights game. I never paid more than 25 or $30 
Um, of course, we know that if you're going to T-Mobile, you're going into an arena that was supported by MGM and that you're probably going to end up in an MGM property after you're done if you're going back to Excalibur or Park MGM or any of the other places you might park. And so they charged a lot less for parking when you're going to go to a Golden Knights game than they're charging for a UNLV football game where you still have to walk across to the stadium. So, look, when it comes to parking on site, nobody should be getting upset about this. Nobody. Because you've known for three years. You've known exactly what this was. There is no parking on site. The Raiders screwed you. You know that right from the jump. The Raiders screwed you. They screwed themselves in a lot of ways when it comes to the parking. Uh, but when it comes to UNLV, Steve, what are people going to do? They're going to do what they're always done. They're going to ignore UNLV. They're just going to ignore it. They're not going to go. No, no one. If they feel like, if a Rebel fan who is a casual fan feels like they're going to get gouged to go watch this team, they're not going to go. And could you really blame them as so? Number two. All right, which plan do you like better? The Raiders plan of fully vaxxed to get into the stadium or you can get a shot at the stadium and then wear a mask, but there really are no options for the unvaccinated. Or do you like the UNLV football plan? Everyone is welcome, vaxxed, unvaxxed, but everyone's got to wear a mask. Bravo, Mark Davis, for stepping out and taking a leadership position with the Raiders on saying people have to be vaccinated in order to come in bravo and from an organization that we spent a lot of time rightfully and justifiably dragging them last year for how terrible they were with covid with the darren waller charity fundraiser with the unauthorized people in the locker room with trent brown at the mall uh when you know out there with jonathan abram we spent lots of time dragging them for covid so i'm going to come back on the other side and say you did the right thing Justin Watkins said earlier, it's a private business. They absolutely can. But to me, this is about public health and safety. And it's about the fact that you said earlier, Steve, they get $750 million for a stadium. They're not going to act like they have an obligation to protect the public health. But I think they do. If they get this taxpayer money, don't they have an obligation to protect the taxpayer, to protect the health of the community? And I think the Raiders not only are doing what is smart business, because it's only going to take one super spreader event at one of these stadiums for it to get shut down for everybody for a while and for there to be no games to make any money from. So it's not only smart business, it's smart for public health. Isn't there an issue in if their mission is to protect the fans, why are the fully vaxxed all sitting amongst each other with no mask on? Well, they have the option to continue to wear a mask. It's just that they're not required to wear a mask. And that's been the CDC guidance is that fully vaccinated people can are recommended to continue wearing masks in settings where there could be a high chance of trans transmission. Now, is there a high chance of transmission among fully vaccinated people? No, there's a seriously reduced risk. And if it's me and I'm going into that game, I'm still wearing a mask. And that's just about me. But Mark Davis wasn't going to require that because that's not what the governor required, that that's not living up to the standard that the governor set, which is if people are vaccinated, that they don't have to wear a mask. I think in a taxpayer-funded stadium, you uh, you allow as many people in as you can with rules. So I like the UNLV plan. You like the idea of the ushers that we all know, the folks that we know from UNLV, right? All those folks that you know we've gotten to know over time, them having to play mask police in the stadium. Because I think that's the other part about this whole thing yeah. is that 
you said it earlier, they should not have to play masked police. And also, people working at concession stands, people working as ticket takers, people cleaning up the arena, they don't have a choice. Like they're they're being they're being made to go if they want to have a job. And they deserve to have their health protected too. And putting the hands of this into I should say putting it into the hands of the ushers who have to try to mask a police mask is just it's it's not smart. It sucks. It sucks. But I will go out on a limb here and say that I trust that most Las Vegans who go to UNLV games and especially folks from out of the market who go to games will mask up, will follow the rules. All bets are off for the buffoons from Iowa. I don't know what they're going to do, but I think this will work. Number one. All right, top story today with the Raiders is the uh, joint practice. And, you know, we didn't get to see it. Uh, no video was allowed once they started going at it. And I think there's some good storylines going into this, and there'll be even more coming out of it It uh, by reports. And, again, you know, you had five or six people tweeting out what was happening. By reports, it sounded like the defense played pretty well. Max Crosby, defensive lineman, maybe a full-timer at defensive end if they move in uh, Cleve Furl to the inside a little more. Crosby talked about. Uh, how well the defense did, and just how important it is to come out with a lot of energy. And they gotta, you gotta create things now. They, you know, the the no turnover game and the no sack game ain't gonna freaking lead to nine, ten, or eleven wins. A good time today. It's it's always good getting you know going against different people. We've been beating each other up for like you know two and a half weeks now. So um, just getting different looks and different tempos, and it all starts up front. You know, with the guys at the front four. You know, I feel like we got after it. Um, our mindset was right um, the second we got off the bus. So. Um, yeah, you know, the guys in the back end, they play great, you know, making plays, taking the ball away. You know, that's what Coach, Coach Bradley talks about all the time, you know, you know, taking the ball away but scoring. And we had guys, you know, flying around and making plays. So it was, it was good to see. I know we don't have much material to work with so far, Candy. But are you feeling a little bit better about what this defense can do? I feel about this defense exactly the way that I felt about it last year, which is that the ceiling for this defense is being average. The ceiling really? for this defense is finishing in the middle. There's there is no chance that this is a top 10 defense this year. I will place a wager on it with anybody who wants to place a wager on that. But if they can get to that level, though, if they can get to being a middle of the pack defense, then this can be a playoff team because I think the offense can be that good if the offensive line holds up. If the receivers are anything like what John Gruden is trying to tell us that they are with Ruggs and Edwards, and I've always been a believer that you can win with Derek Carr. So there's a there's a reasonable chance that if this defense gets up to the middle of the pack, that this team can win. All right. Interesting narrative that I think will take off with some. Uh, one of the guys who was a guest over on, he follows the Raiders, a guest over on a Q show on Raider Nation Radio, 920, uh, Eddie Borsilli, I saw him tweet out the other day that Cleef Earl has a role. Um, this is uh, his impression of what Mike Mayock is thinking and is a good football player. Um, people who wanted Furl to be a flashy 15 sack guy coming off the edge, that he was never going to be that. Does that, does that, okay. mesh, with, does that mesh with taking a guy in the top five? I mean, if if that was said from the very get-go, imagine people's reaction that you took him in the top five. Yeah, I mean, does does Eddie need another bucket to carry the rest of that water for the organization? Because that is as 
that is as sycophantic as you could possibly come up with as a statement on on Cleveland Furl. Um, I would ask a question back to that and say, okay, so if that's not what he was supposed to be, what is it that he is supposed to be? He's a role player on the inside. Do you think most people expect that that's what you get out of the number four pick in the draft? Do you think that's what most people expect out of a first round pick in the draft, number four or not? I mean, right now, there were only players who went out there from the starting unit and played in the Raiders' number uh, number one preseason game. Cleve Furl, Jonathan Abram went out there, both first-round picks from that draft. And right now, if you look at where that team is, they're going to start Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby on the edges. They're going to start Jonathan Hankins on the inside. You might see him along with uh, Gerald McCoy in there. But when it comes down to it, what's the role that I'm hearing about for Cleveland Furl? What is it? Is it as a rotational pass rusher? Is it as a guy who moves inside on passing downs? What what like what comes on inside and passing downs? I don't know what it is. What what is this role that a guy who is running with the second team, who was the number four pick in the draft a couple of years ago, has? So if you say he's not supposed to be flashy, then then what is he supposed to be? And what were the rest of the picks in the top five that year supposed to be? It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Justin Fields gives me the best chance to keep my job. That offensive line is really going to be a problem. Show me the track record of signing a 39-year-old injury-prone offensive lineman who didn't have an off-season program that's going to play in 17 games. I'm not going to bet on that because of that. Justin Fields and his athleticism gives us the best chance to win right now. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. That's Mike Tannenbaum, former GM of the Jets, now working with Fox Sports as an NFL analyst. We'll get to what he was talking about there with the Bears' offensive line. They're suddenly having to rely on older dudes because their first-round pick, Tevin Jenkins, is down. He was going to be the left tackle. He may be out for the entire season. We'll get to that. Talk a little offensive line, more about the joint practice with the Rams and your Las Vegas Raiders. You know, we were just talking about the different plants between um, from the Raiders to UNLV when it comes to football inside Allegiant. UNLV is going with all mask. Raiders are going with all fully vaccinated. Um, and we got a, a text, and I, I'm sure he's fine with me reading this on the air. Uh, Adam Hill was saying, good job, good effort playing the UNLV side uh, until the slight giggle at the end. I don't think I giggled. He says, come on, UNLV fans will do the right thing. Um, what I said is I do believe that with a policy in place of masking up, I do believe the college football fans at Allegiant will do a good job of masking up. I think there could be a couple of trouble spots where Iowa State's in town and there's 15,000-plus Iowa State fans expected. I don't know that they're going to be enthusiastic about masking up, so that could be a challenge. Utah State, I don't know. I don't know how many Aggies fans are going to travel. Utah and Arizona are a nightmare, so who the hell knows what they're going to do. But, no, I actually do believe that fans can behave and follow instructions. I don't hate fans. I know we've got other people on the show who have this disdain for fans and distrust. That's not me. And, by the way, Candy, I don't know if you were listening yesterday. I know you're a busy guy, but this is consistent with what I said yesterday. I... Didn't love the Raiders' plan of shutting out so many people going only fully vaccinated. I do like the UNLV plan, uh, plan better because, it to me, it's closer to what the Saints did. I think the Saints have the perfect plan. 
The Saints are asking you to be fully vaccinated or you bring a test, a negative test, within I think it's 48 hours. And in that case, yeah, it sucks for the unvaccinated because getting a test that you know you can turn around quickly and have it ready for 48 hours later is going to cost you extra money. But you know, if you want to be invested in not getting the vaccine, then you're going to have to pay a little extra. But at least it gives the opportunity for the unvaccinated on short notice. Again, this is all very short notice. It gives them the opportunity to go to the games. So this is not picking one side over the other. I just, I don't love everything about the Raiders plan. So you're saying that they're shut out of the game. Um, To me, when we just talk about what we did with Justin Watkins, not that long ago, the idea is that are you shut out because you can't or are you shut out because you won't? And if you're can't, that's a very different story than won't. And I believe the number he used was something like 13 or 14% of the population that can't, that for some reason cannot get the vaccine. And I think that the Raiders should have some level of case by case that they could deal with those folks. But that's not the bulk of people. And that's not the people making noise right now when it comes to social media, etc. The people making noise right now are the people that won't. And the Raiders are still a private business like any restaurant, like any movie theater, like any casino that can choose to say, this is how we want to protect our business. This is how we want to operate that protects the people who choose to take part in our business. And I don't see why it's a problem for them to set the policy up that way. They did give people enough notice that you can get your first shot and still be there in time for the opener. I'll repeat what I said a minute ago. So... I don't dislike fans. I don't have a disdain for fans. I don't think they're all dirtbags. Now, you just made a comment on social media. Now, on social media, I also don't believe many of the people complaining are actually ticket buyers or potentially ever going to attend a game. I think there are are different... I'm not saying everyone on social media never goes to games, but I think a lot of them... And and here's the thing. If you want to come back at me, what are you going to do? Send me a tweet under your anonymous handle. Because for all of you out there who do that, who cares what you think? I don't I don't know if you're a person, a bot. You don't even have the stones to put your freaking name on your account. So, Candy, I actually, I, I take the reaction sometimes, uh, a lot of times on social media with a grain of salt. Right? For all these people, I'm never watching football again. Well, apparently you are because the NFL is freaking doing boffo numbers. College football woke doing boffo numbers. So what people say on social media doesn't mean a hill of beans if they actually don't ever go buy tickets and attend games. All right. Fair. Then let's talk about who the ticket buyers are because we know that a large, large segment of the ticket buyers are folks who are coming from California who are coming from the Bay Area, who are coming from Los Angeles. And these are folks who have been living with far, far more restrictive COVID protocols in place on them for a very long time than we have here in Nevada. They're probably going to show up, or even before they show up, hear this policy and think, yeah, that makes sense. Because it's going to be a lot more in line with what they've been dealing with from the beginning of the pandemic than what we've been dealing with here in Nevada. 364-1100, if you got to take... What do you think? You like the uh, Raiders plan better? You like the UNLV plan better? I think there's some people out there on social media who are going to say, neither, they both stink, but uh, which one do you like better? Obviously, they have different approaches. 
We want all the smoke. Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702-364-1100 and let us have it. That's something we discuss every year in the competition committee. We, we get kind of sick and tired of the, of the taunting that does go on from time to time on the field. We've tried to balance the sportsmanship with allowing the players to have fun, and there's always a fine line. Hanging at the Battle Born Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Doesn't seem like the most important issue, but uh, you know, if you heard the full quote there, that's John Mara, the Giants owner, saying the competition committee is sick and tired of it now when that quote was put out by a lot of people it i i think it read we are sick and tired and i was kind of like hey who's we uh we're not all like you john mara so we'll follow up on that in a couple minutes three six four eleven hundred we're just talking about uh what it's going to be like to go to football games at allegiant stadium unlv is saying everyone can come you got to mask up uh raiders want fully vaccinated and if you want to come in and you're not vaccinated you got to get a shot at the game then you wear a mask what do you like better what do you think? Three six four eleven hundred. AJ is up with uh, Adam Candy, Steve Cofield. AJ. Hey guys. Uh, man, I got I got to go with you, Cofield. I like the UNLV plan, only for the fact of the matter that I remember when the Golden Knights they had you do to their games to show that you didn't have any COVID symptoms or anything. That was almost like a joke. Like you flashed your phone at them and they just pushed you through because these guys who are checking the clear app for either the COVID not there or for the Raiders game going to be checking COVID symptoms to see if you've got a, or a vaccination on your clear app. They're all about getting people into that door as quickly as possible, getting the security, getting through the security, showing your ticket. If they really think that people aren't going to screenshot their clear apps or share phones or and that everyone in there is going to be vaccinated is completely absurd. There's going to be tons of unvaccinated people in there, which is going to go completely against their idea. So, I mean, if you just allow people in there, yeah, it sucks for the ushers to play mask police, I agree. But, I mean, you allow people in there to do the best you can with the mask policy, and then that's probably the best of, of both worlds. You just kind of roll the – you just roll – you're out in public. You're rolling the dice anyways, whether people are wearing masks or not. So, um, I just think the clear app and check in that – unless they're going to match up that clear app with your ticket and an ID and take all that time to make sure, okay, this is you, this is your ticket, and it matches with your ID, people are going to share that stuff, and it's going to be completely for none anyway, is what I think. Thanks, guys. Good points, AJ. Candy, what do you think? I agree 100% with the part that AJ said about what it was like at the Golden Knights game um, because I filled out that clear uh, health pass and the first time I went to a Golden Knights game under that pass I felt like the person actually checked and took a look at it and then the next couple of times nobody even blinked an eye I like I had it out for someone to look and they didn't look but I'll tell you what I actually think that in a roundabout way that's an argument for the vaccination that's an argument for if we don't trust that people who are ticket takers ushers etc are the ones who should be policing this whole thing, then the safest way to do it is to set up an environment where people expect that you're going to be vaccinated. And I, I have to believe that the clear setup with vaccination cards is going to be very different than just saying, oh yeah, you're healthy? Oh yeah, cool, come on in. Sean is up on Kofi and the company. Hey, Sean. Hey guys, good afternoon. So 
So uh, away, my buddy. take here, I'm personally vaccinated, but I want to defend the anti-vaccinated right now. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's not a lot of uh, history on the long-term side effects of this, this vaccination, right? So to me, it just feels like uh, it's a little premature to force vaccinations upon anybody, whether it be a stadium or school or anywhere for that nature, is my two cents. Okay. Candy? I mean... My my medical degree is largely from watching Scrubs, but um, you know I can't say this with a lot of certainty. Uh, but um, yeah. what I've read yeah. in reputable news sources, not on Facebook, I don't have Facebook, uh, on the mRNA vaccines, the new types of vaccines, is that basically what these vaccines do is they teach your body how to fight the the virus, and then they bounce. Um, they're gone. They don't stay in your body. And there's a reason that we're talking about having to get booster shots now for a third shot of the vaccine, uh, in part because of that, like because the efficacy goes down. So, you know, I listen, I understand that this is not an easy thing when people feel like they're being forced to do anything. But ultimately, you, you're not being forced. You have a choice, and your choice involves not going to the game in person. Uh, Jake is... On ESPN Las Vegas, 364-1100. He wanted to get a take in before we go to the grab bag. Jake? Hey, guys. Thanks so much for taking the call. You got it. Um, thanks for calling. Just as a season ticket holder, I understand the argument that restaurants and private businesses can say, hey, listen, we need you to be vaccinated prior to coming in. But those of us that spent, you know, $35,000 a seat for a seat license and now being told after the fact that there needs to be modifications to our body to be able to make entry into the, into the event, like that's just where the disconnect is. So... When we all purchased our seat licenses to be season ticket holders, there wasn't an implied task that we were going to have to be vaccinated or to go through that process as far as what it is that we do personally within our own personal lives. And now having to do that after the fact, I think, is is a difficult conversation to kind of work through, both the fiscal component as well as the political or personal choice issue. I just wanted you guys' take on that. Thanks, Jake. Candy? Listen, man, I have all the respect in the world for spending the amount of money that you have to not only on the PSL, but on the tickets because it is an enormous financial burden. I mean, the Raiders had arranged financing for a lot of people to be able to come in and pay for their PSLs and pay for their tickets. You were asked a huge, huge thing to pay up that kind of money. Um, the decision the Raiders made isn't about personal choice to me. The decision the Raiders made is about the fact that the virus and the effects that it has on other people is about all of us together. It's about the effect that it has on the crowd of 65,000 as a collective. It's about where it can be carried. It's about the folks who are immunocompromised and you might carry it back to them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I understand the idea of personal choice. I'm not really sure I understand the idea of political choice when it comes to that. Uh, but I, I can respect the fact that it's a very hard thing when you pay that amount of money. Um, if there were a terrorist attack and they changed the screening policies for coming in and there were certain things you were no longer allowed to bring in, that also is a change to what you thought you were getting into when you first went to a game, when you first made the deal to buy the tickets so that you could go to the game. So it, look, Mark Davis made a choice that... He knew was not going to be popular with everyone. I believe that Mark Davis made the right choice for the public interest.
Coming up next, we'll do uh, our daily UNLV football camp report. I had a chance to talk to a guy who was just awarded a scholarship last week, uh, their kicker for the Rebels, Daniel Gutierrez. The show never ends. Watch the Cofield and Company late night pod tonight at 9 o'clock on YouTube or at Steve Cofield on Twitter. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So, Adam Candy, we've been uh, getting out to UNLV football practice in the preseason camp here. Now, first game is 15, 16 days away against Eastern Washington. Thursday, September 2nd. Some good stories had developed. You know, the they did a closed-door scrimmage uh, last week, and they did something really cool for their kicker, Daniel Gutierrez. Uh, they had him line up in a key situation, you know, uh, basically – uh, pretending end of game situation, you got to make the kick, and he made the kick, and they actually put up on the board that you're now on scholarship. Which you know, for people who've had to pay for school, and if you're a football player, you're working all the time. It's an amazing deal. Uh, here's a short conversation I had with the uh, UNLV kicker, and uh, he started out telling us, you know, what it was like that day as he found out after making the kick that he was on scholarship. So um, I literally had no idea it was coming at all. You know, they just told me uh, we need a game-winning field goal at the end, and they put me in these situations a lot, you know, so it was nothing new for me. And then as soon as I make it, they tell me to look up, and that video starts playing. And honestly, like, that was literally one of the best moments of my life, one of the best feelings ever. Just the whole scholarship in general, you know, I, I came here in uh, 2017, and, like, you know, I feel like you have to work your way up. You know, you have to prove yourself prove to the coaches, prove to your teammates, you know. Um, they have a lot of trust in me, you know. And uh, I feel like I have to do whatever it takes to, to make my team proud. Did anyone joke with you? Yeah. If you had missed? Yeah, a lot of you people. You made the field goal, right? I made the field so goal, yeah. So if you missed the field goal, with people coming up going, hey, what wouldn't happen. Yeah, so literally over, like right after, over half the team was like, what if you would have missed, played the video or not? And like, you know, I want to go say uh, uh, thank you to Coach Royal afterwards. And uh, I actually asked him the question, and he told me that he knew I wasn't going to miss. And, you know, like, as a player, that, that puts a lot of – that puts a good feeling in me. So. so I just talked to him about his decision to give you a scholarship. And, you know, he said you do all the right things and you're also a leader, yeah. which is not something you hear all the time openly about kickers. Yeah. That's, that's quite the compliment. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I've been here a little over four years now. You know, I know these guys for a long time. And, uh, you know, I was a freshman once. And – I always have somebody to look up to, so I know what that feels like, so I want to be the same thing, a uh, role model for the younger guys, too. What are you majoring in? Uh, business management. Why is that? Uh, my mom's side of the family, they're all restaurant owners. You know, me and my brother are planning on uh, opening up a restaurant after I graduate, hopefully. What kind of restaurants do they own? Uh, tacos, seafood, you know, out on uh, Long Beach, so shout out oh, okay. to them. Yeah, there's uh, Mariscos Agua Verde in Long Beach and uh, Taco Loco in Long Beach. And How'd they get into that? Well, they came from Mexico at a young age, and, like, you know, they always wanted to be um, their own boss, you know. So they, uh, they had a grind, they saved up, and, you know, they had to risk a lot. I mean, look at them now. Very successful. And why do you want to do it? Uh, same reasons, you know. I feel like, I mean, same thing as me, same story. I didn't grow up with a lot, you know. So just looking at uh, their story, I know that I can do the same thing. Um, I was getting some loans. Uh, my mom and dad, uh, they worked very hard. You know, they, were, uh, they tried to pay for some of my school, too, you know. So it was a little tough, but... I mean, they sacrificed a lot for me, so I'm trying to do whatever it takes to, to make them happy. So this is massive. Now you have yeah. a whole year where you're not, you know, you don't have to pay all yeah. those debts back. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Huge for me and my family. Very cool.
Very cool. And I know Candy, Candy has a connection. Yeah, you may not know Daniel, but you have a connection. You you come from a uh, a family that owned restaurants. I feel like deep down you 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 wish you were in the restaurant business still. Still, yeah. Um, now, now, mind you, restaurants, not restaurants. We weren't uh, we weren't rich like astronauts, but uh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it's a very interesting business to to grow up around, and yeah. it's specific to, to to Daniel's story. I gotta be honest, man. I cannot get enough of those surprise scholarship reveals. I could watch yeah. those videos all day long on YouTube. They're fantastic. I love when they do these for kids. Yeah, I mean, can can you imagine if you're paying? You know, you got loans, your parents are paying for this, you know, you're a key member of the team. And then all of a sudden now you find out that you've got the debt cleared of, you know, how many thousands of dollars of future debt. Um, do you have a menu suggestion for one of his parents' places? Yeah, and it comes straight from Taco Bell. Um, you know, I mean, we're, we're all big fans of the nacho fries here. I know that. Um, Ari slams them like crazy. Um, and now... Taco Bell is is experimenting with truffle nacho fries. Okay. Because if there's one thing the discerning Taco Bell customer has been asking for at 2 a.m. in the drive-thru for years, it's truffles in their nacho fries. Now, I'm assuming it's just truffle oil because truffles are a little on the pricey side. Sure. Uh, so I think at, at El Taco Loco, they need to think about bringing the Long Beach crowd some truffles. It could work. Yeah. It could work. Why not? Yeah, very cool. Haven't story you ever? There. Yeah, haven't it. you ever been going through a drive-through at night, Steve, and thought to yourself, you know what this food needs? Truffles. You know, I don't know that I've had truffle oil many times, so I, I think I need a little more knowledge of it before I would uh, would hope the fast food place would have it. You know, fair. I assume at some point uh, that we have the meats. We'll add it. Seems like a nice high-end item, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I absolutely endorse any fast food place that wants to try this because I think it'll be hilarious. Uh, I mentioned earlier, and thanks to Daniel Gutierrez for uh, talking to us about his cool story there, and hopefully he has a good year for the Rebels as the kicker. Um, you know, it's interesting. The Raiders got ripped up and down for taking Alex Leatherwood at 17. Some of the other guys on the board at the time were Christian Darasaw, he went 23 to the Vikings. Well, he's dinged up, and I think I mentioned him as a first-round pick, but he's actually a second-round pick. A lot of people had a first-round grade on Tevin Jenkins, the offensive tackle out of Oklahoma State. Well, as part of building that team, hey, you take a quarterback, let's get the left tackle of the future and Tevin Jenkins, and now he may be down for much of the season. And I will say I will caution Raiders fans from patting themselves on the back and saying, look, you know, the two of the guys that people wanted us to take, now they're hurt kind of a lousy way to look at things and let's just judge Alex Leatherwood on what he does not just his availability thing is if Alex Leatherwood ends up being really good then the pick will still have sucked because in the <laughs> end it's about maximizing the value of the draft it's not about having an evaluation process that looks smarter than everybody else because Pro Football Focus has done research on this. No one has a draft process that's smarter than anybody else. No one is that much better over the course of time at hitting on draft picks. So I'm not rooting against Alex Leatherwood. I hope the kid has a great career. It still won't make taking a guy that the rest of the league viewed the way they viewed Alex Leatherwood at that pick any better in terms of maximizing your value. Stick your hand in there, Dave. 
Yeah, I did an interview this morning on uh, Extra Sports Radio in San Diego with the uh, great and legendary Steve Hartman. And he threw me a question on John Gruden, and I wonder how you would answer it. Uh, basically said, is he an elite coach at this age anymore? And I immediately went into, I actually think he's a pretty good coach, but I think the, his, the thing you, you really grade him on is his GMing. What would you say to, is John Gruden still an elite coach? John Gruden is a high-level play caller. John Gruden is one of the worst talent evaluators in the NFL. All right, plain and simple. There you go. Derek Rhino was like, I like the fact that Candy has been very succinct today. Yes, he has been. Candy, thank you so much. We're back tonight. Late night podcast, 9 o'clock, at Steve Cofield on Twitter.